everyone. I'm Sabrina here with an episode with a conversation with Natalie, who is a high school senior from Michigan. And we met through a program that we're both doing where we kind of create some sort of project, mine, this podcast here, to develop on a theme that we're passionate about. Natalie has a similar one to mine. Hers is called Step MUN, and I'll let her explain it to you. Yeah, so my project is called Step MUN, or as I pronounce it, Step MUN, because I intend for my project to be a step one, essentially, for um, specifically model UN delegates, but really any young people interested in international politics. So my website provides very condensed, like less than five minute background guides on topics ranging from human rights to political issues to science and tech issues. We have sample position papers, so you don't have to spend hours figuring out what the US's policy on something is. And also we do have an open blog because I absolutely love how the Model UN community is very open-minded. So I want an open blog that anyone can post to. And right now I'm also currently building my team. So we're getting step one off the ground and I'm really, really excited about it. I love that open blog idea, how people just like, no matter what their real opinions are, they can just talk about it. And then people can have conversations, arguments or whatever they want on that blog. That's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've already had a lot of people be like, hi, I want to post this but it's not international it's domestic i'm like it doesn't matter like what if it's political related feel free to post something so that's cool yeah so today you wanted to talk about venezuela because it's a country that has gone through a lot as of late and even in like the past couple of years they've gone from economic crisis humanitarian crisis just every sort of crisis that they can experience they have had and we really wanted to kind of talk about the different areas in which these crises have really affected, specifically with their government, their leaders, their economy, and even their relationship with the U.S. So if you want to start, we can talk about their politics in general. Um, they have a very corrupt government system. They have had a president, Maduro, who has kind of elected himself. He's gone. He had one six-year term, and he reelected himself for a second six-year term. And him and his predecessor, Chavez, have led some sort of government that really favors the wealthy and does not consider anyone else of their country. And they really only do it to benefit themselves. So because yeah. of that, their whole leadership is just flawed. And they have, and the people know it, and the people are trying to stop it. But it's really difficult there because Maduro not only has rigged every election he also has the armed forces on his side and now we can tell you how that affects just in general being a leader having the armed forces yeah so like honestly you have to really go back to what chavez was doing because back in the 90s he arose as a big um political speaker and he led movements specifically like populist movements within venezuela and so once chavez became the leader of venezuela he massively funded social programs that benefited education welfare medical so his big focus was actually on eliminating giant wealth gaps within venezuela and for a very long time, at least within the 90s, Venezuela was actually praised for being one of the most democratic states, one of the best places to be poor. 
like the poor class was nearly like eliminated under Chavez. But the big thing is he made everything so dependent on the price of oil that once he died and Maduro, who was his handpicked successor, was in power and the price of oil plummeted, Maduro didn't do anything because he was so focused on keeping his own power. So the poor class literally, I believe about 80% of Venezuelans can be classified as poor or in poverty under Maduro. And that kind of just feeds into, like you mentioned, the government corruption, specifically like from an economic standpoint, you can look at what the exchange rate is. So Mm -hmm. the government set the official exchange rate at 10 bolivars to one US dollar. So Maduro and his allies in the military specifically has access to that specific exchange rate. Well, the real exchange rate on at least the black market is about 12,000 bolivars to one US dollar. So specifically the government's making money off their own people because they will buy food at that 10 to one ratio and then sell it at the 12,000 to one ratio. And it keeps Maduro super rich, all his allies super rich. And speaking on that, uh, exchange rate is constantly fluctuating, which is the problem because people don't ever know how much they need to have to buy things. And the constant fluctuation is kind of our only guide to see how much the economy is actually struggling. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's and it's been 36 months that this inflation has lasted, which is really one of the longest ones that has occurred in Latin America. Specific. Yeah, it's always, it's always kind of cool seeing those like graphs of hyperinflation over time. And for a while, it's I think believe like Sudan and South Sudan at the top, and then Venezuela just takes over and it's like thousands of percents higher over time. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So it's, as you were talking about, the oil is really important because Venezuela is actually known to be one of the world's, has one of the world's largest oil reserves, which kind of in theory would make you think that they would be a rich country just because of how much we depend on oil in our in our day-to-day lives. Kind of like if we compare Venezuela to countries like Qatar, which have a large oil reserve as well, those countries are doing really well. But because of the big, like the big corporations going bankrupt during Maduro's presidency, the whole country has just like they've lost all of their possible capital that they could have gained on the oil and they have no way of getting it back because they don't have a stable other they don't have another form of stable like income that they can gain from and maduro really isn't doing anything about it so yeah he's made everything dependent on oil so as soon as that price crashed there's no way to fund all of the programs that like the citizens were dependent on and then now you have factoring political situation and sanctions from other countries a lot of countries don't even want oil from venezuela because it'll fund maduro's government yeah so going back to that whole political thing you're talking about so right now i'll I'll do a little brief i think natalie knows a little bit more about this for me with the guaido versus maduro conflict that's going on so guaido is kind of like an up-and-coming politician in venezuela and he decided to declare himself interim president through the National Assembly, which is kind of what the U.S. considers the only legitimate federal um, group that's going on in Venezuela right now because it's kind of the only one that's democratic. So Guaido has the backing of the U.S., 
but it's really difficult to have like no matter what like the backing of the u.s does it's really important but in the country itself maduro has way more support from more powerful people even though guaido can have the support of the actual citizens so guaido is trying to remedy everything that maduro has been doing but doesn't have that support so it's not really going that well for him and maduro is still having some sort of control there yeah so i believe it was 2019 is when the big like election thing in january between maduro and guaido was and maduro saw himself as the legitimate president because the election was rigged in his favor and so guaido had declared himself president like you said but kind of fast forward to now and especially with the coronavirus um guaido's opposition group has been losing a lot of favor even though about 80 percent of venezuelans want maduro out due to the coronavirus there's been a lack in those massive protests in caracas and other spots within Venezuela. So Guaido's been losing um, favor within even his own party. And he still has the backing of the US, but I believe the EU has kind of fallen off backing Guaido because they see it as almost a lost cause, especially since COVID has helped Maduro tighten his power within Venezuela. Yeah. And even though Maduro has caused many of these problems, the fact that Guaido was the leader at the time during the like the hyperinflation, the power cuts and shortages of food and energy, they're kind of still blaming him for it, um, which is unfair, but definitely deserved at some point. So the people are also kind of like, well, we had at least some sort of not even I wouldn't say stability, but just some sort of like consistent letting down from Maduro. Why not just keep him instead of expecting Guaido to come in and totally yeah. change the social system and everything and then yeah, have be all these things happen yeah well because maduro never officially gave up his power and guaido never officially became president he just declared himself president mm -hmm. so um it was i believe that third parties found out that maduro was behind part of the specifically like the power outages back closer to that election but Guaido served more as kind of like that figure of hope for the whole opposition. Like, yeah, we have a leader. And that was like last year. So now they're just kind of lost and almost dissolved, which isn't that good. Yeah. And since we have our own elections coming up, I kind of want to talk about the Venezuelans' elections and the way that they run things. So Venezuela's elections are pretty terrible. They are really fascist and not at all democratic the maduro at the time was able to he imprisoned opposers lawmakers i don't think he's had someone run against him since he started his political career not because they didn't want to do it because they were out of fear or even out of like being in jail at the time they just weren't allowed to some were even killed i believe yeah there was a lot of deaths and some people went into exile and as we were saying how the eu was like we're not even trying to get involved in this election we don't even want to monitor it and when guaido went to go become elected official president for the national assembly him and his supporters were locked out of the building by the the police there so they weren't even allowed to be there which then allowed Maduro to say, oh, this guy's not even going to be president, so maybe you guys shouldn't vote for him, and then the whole two-president thing is happening right now. But 
yeah what do you what do you think about that election system i mean it's really not working so yeah it's not working and honestly as long as maduro stays as president um not so much as president but as long as he has the backing of the military there really won't be much change in my opinion with the elections but there is a little bit of hope i guess because a um a recent article i read from the associated press said that maduro has been at least his government at a probably not him himself but they've been in talks with the opposition party and they actually delayed um the election that's supposed to be coming up really soon they delayed it to december so i think that they're trying to get the eu on board to monitor at least that because it'll help venezuela's international standing if they can start to the show to the international community yeah like our country's in absolute crisis we can't deny it anymore we need help from not just russia and china which have always backed us but mm -hmm. other western states yeah so speaking about that international kind of community that they're trying to reach out to they have always had the backing of russia and china which is a little bit concerning just based on the own the governments of russia and china and the way that they run their own government systems specifically with like putin and his election system and him and his trade-off with the other president um but now they kind of have a little bit more support with maduro i mean with Guaido, excuse me so the u.s is backing them but the u.s has also imposed sanctions on venezuela which include like a freeze on all venezuelan government assets and that has been really difficult for Maduro to handle, but it also has affected the people. And at a point, it's it's whether or not they really want, the U.S. really wants to kind of, like, impose themselves. They were talking about a, a possible military, um, for, like, the military to come and help Venezuela, but will it help the people? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it will definitely have the government change, but the people are also really struggling. There's thousands of refugees that are leaving by foot every day and they're going into countries like chile peru colombia ecuador and those countries are like we can't accept any more refugees and the u.s under donald trump also is not accepting any refugees which is aggravating because the u.s under trump's administration is saying how they want to help venezuela but they won't accept any refugees it's kind of the only help that right now that they can um mm -hmm. give yeah, and at least from an international standpoint, um, it's a joke, at least in the model UN world, that sanctions don't work mm -hmm. because a lot of times they really don't. Even if the U.S. has imposed specifically oil sanctions, we can look at how um, Iranian tankers have been caught on the shore of Venezuela, supplying Venezuela with oil because they can't get their own reserves and getting aid from Iran specifically, plus Russia and China. And the US is kind of walking a very fine line, in my opinion, with wanting to actually interact with Venezuela itself under Maduro, because it's been Maduro's policy that pretty much any Western influence whatsoever is an attempt at essentially a military coup. You can kind of go back, I believe it was last summer when, um, specifically humanitarian aid and especially food aid was at like a bridge going into Venezuela and Maduro sent the military to stop the aid coming in because Maduro has been quoted as saying that aid is an attempt to take our country over. Yeah. So he has a 
very anti-American, anti-West, anti-capitalist belief system, and he's going to keep pushing that. I know, it was as if he expected the A to be some sort of Trojan horse. Like, there was some sort of, like, military defense weapon that was going to be in there. But, yeah, they ended up burning, like, all the all of the aid and that was really kind of the defining moment for the people there that were like, we're so done because you had a chance to help us, even if it's just a little bit providing us with food and clothing and whatnot that was in those um, containers. And the people really have no say though, which is probably the biggest issue for them is that they are really recognizing the problem without having any reason or without having any resources to stop the problem. So I think that the Venezuelan situation is bad because of Maduro, but it's worse because of how undemocratic the country is in general and how much, not even Maduro, but like even other leaders have allowed it to just become so, the wealthy have the the wealthy have the say and everyone else just deals with it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's become a big problem. I mean, I think I have here that about 4.8 million people from Venezuela have left since 2014 which has caused probably the largest refugee um, kind of like leaving the country in a really long time. And countries around them are no longer able to accept refugees, which has caused a really large humanitarian crisis and regional crisis. Um, Yeah, so I think that the government really has to, either our government has to really either impose some sort of force, military force there to change their situation with the president or their own government has to figure out how to get Maduro out without having the armed forces really go like wreak havoc on the people because the people are the ones that are the most important like the aspects of a government they support the Mm -hmm. government if it's democratic and I think having the armed forces is exactly what Maduro really wants because it's kind of the authoritarian way of doing things is having such a powerful backing because the armed forces can really they have access to weapons and whatnot. So, yeah, what's yeah. Your and like on? you said, if the U.S. tries to take any military action, it's essentially giving into the propaganda that Maduro has already put out, saying that the U.S. has already used military force, I believe, in Venezuela once already back in like the '60s. But all throughout South America, all of the military coup while the Cold War was going on and the Red Scare and socialism was rising in Central and South America. Mm-hmm. So if the U.S. takes military action, it's giving Maduro the fire that he needs to finally show his citizens. I mean, not that they listen, but that, yeah, this country still can't be trusted. They're trying to overthrow us again. Because Venezuela's policy used to just be deny that there's a crisis there's no issues going on we're fine it's a socialist utopia but that's obviously not right and now with like coronavirus i mean i think it was the worst time because not only are countries that were successful struggling countries that weren't successful are even worse off than they were at the beginning which is kind of mm-hmm. i mean the coronavirus has affected everyone it's obviously yeah. People who have gotten it, people who have lost their jobs, their homes, their their financial stability. But for people who didn't have financial stability to begin with, the coronavirus really just screwed them over. And I don't really know the effect of the coronavirus on Venezuela because I, I mean, it just hasn't really crossed my mind. But I was wondering if you knew anything about that. Yeah. So, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, 
the biggest thing that the coronavirus has caused other than um, deaths within Venezuela, obviously, is that with a lack of protests due to fear over it, uh, Maduro's opposition has been losing a lot of support and momentum that they had coming from Guaido's elections and everything. And about with 80% of Venezuelan citizens living poor and right at or below the poverty line, um, the healthcare isn't very good. So obviously coronavirus is taking a massive toll, but it's also important to know Venezuela's opposition to uh, like third parties like the UN or World Health Organization monitoring what's going on within the country. So anything they self-report on coronavirus can't be fully trusted because we don't know if it's absolutely valid. They could kind of do what North Korea said almost where they were like, oh, we only had one case of coronavirus and the rest of the world's like, did you really only have one case or is that what you're saying yeah. to make everything seem better? So just to be clear, sorry, I should have uh, clarified this earlier. The UN is the United Nations and the EU is the European Union. Both are really large, respected uh, international institutions, and they do have a lot of say with uh, refugees, humanitarians, human rights in general. So yeah, that's just what we're referring to when we say those big names and abbreviate them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. specifically off of that, whenever the um, UN either the Security Council or General Assembly has discussed Venezuela because the political and economic situation itself is so kind of fierce along lines of like Western countries and Russia and China. A lot of times the only things that end up happening is um, aid for the refugees fleeing Venezuela because Venezuela is still opposed to UN aid coming into the actual country itself. Yeah. which makes it a lot more complicated to handle from an international standpoint. Yeah. And then another problem that's actually really sweeping Venezuela right now has been their drug crisis. So the U.S. Department of Justice charged Maduro and his administration with offenses related to narco-trafficking and narco-terrorism, which is something that's a, it's a really heavy um, charge. That's something that a lot of mm -hmm. Latin American countries have struggled with. I mean, Colombia, Mexico, we can see all of that in their previous drug cartels and their their stance on that. So the fact that they're charging such a, I mean, the leader of their country with such a charge is like that people are realizing that. And I think the U.S. is just trying, I mean, they have on their website, like the state um, department of justice, like $15 million for anyone who can give us information that can actually get him um like convicted of this crime so i think that the yeah. u.s is trying their best to get maduro out but with the u.s kind of dealing with their own crisis right not right not i wouldn't say crisis but with their own political turmoil i mean we have elections coming up we have new people coming into our own political scene they're they're trying to make it the less violent that they can but they're also trying to have an effect yeah, I believe those charges were put out earlier this year or late last year. I don't exactly remember, but the big theory behind it specifically is if the U.S. can essentially validate that Maduro especially was related in drug trafficking, they have legal grounds to take Maduro to the United States and put him on trial, which will leave space for Guaido to come in. So it kind of hits both 
Like yeah. kills bird, two birds with one stone. That's what I'm trying to think about. Yeah. So kind of just like to wrap up, I mean, it's, we've talked about a lot of things, talk about their politics, their leaders, their economy, their relationships. So I just want to kind of end with the fact that like the relationships with their with the neighboring countries and with the US are really vital. Um, so kind of like in our in our both of our realms of international politics, it's really important to have those strong ties. And then with the EU and the UN, especially kind of like determine all of these humanitarian laws and stuff. Uh, it's important for any country and then a country in a crisis like this does really need that support, but Maduro has so, he's isolated himself so much for fear of losing his power and for fear that those countries will reprimand him, which they probably will and should at one point. Um, he's just kind of neglected to make those ties. So um, mm -hmm. how do you think that they should, those those countries, those those institutions should deal with Venezuela and how Venezuela going forward should make those stronger ties just to begin with so that they don't have to deal with whatever's happening right now. Yeah, so um, I kind of think it like within Model UN, Venezuela is one of my favorite topics and I cover it constantly. And my favorite approach to kind of take with it, and normally the Venezuelan delegate will agree, is almost like a slow bargaining scenario. So very, very initially, it's a, we will like Venezuela will let humanitarian aid into their country and it will be observed by independent parties to ensure that there's no corruption on either side. So the UN can't point fingers at Venezuela and Venezuela can't point fingers at the UN. And eventually from there, it kind of builds into a um, fueling the economy because as the economy is fueled more and commerce comes back to Venezuela, that inflation rate isn't going to go down a lot, but it can slowly start to go down and at least level out with the nations surrounding Venezuela. But yeah, it's pretty complicated and it's all up in the air with more elections coming in December because you have no idea if Maduro's going to possibly accept the results of the election or if they're going to be rigged again to, into his favor, if we have another Maduro-Guaido situation, but now possibly the third person. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting yeah. to kind of follow their own politics. I mean, it has been really crazy since like 2014, something like that, where it's just been really on a downhill spiral. So I think for the people mm -hmm. As you were saying, if they see any drop in that inflation, I think that they will have some sort of hope that it will be, get better. Um, I'm hoping it does because the people are suffering the most. It's not even Maduro under all the scrutiny. It's the people and they have no voice. They really have no representatives. They don't have mm -hmm. a system like us where they have Congress and the Senate and whatnot. But as you're saying, it's, it's, there's no guarantee that any elections will be respected by Maduro's administration. So we'll just have to see what happens. But I just want to thank Natalie for joining me here. And you guys should yeah, definitely thanks check, for out having her, me on. check out her website and her, all her blogs because she has a lot of information. As you guys can tell, she's very well educated in basically every country. Um, so definitely go check her out because her channel is really economic and I'm not a very, I'm not a big numbers person. So you guys can come to me <laughs> for everything political and then, and everything international and then you go to her and you're like wow there are some numbers to back up what she was saying so thanks for tuning in guys and natalie i will talk to you later yep thank you